is Karina. Yeah, Karina is back from a, a massively in, intense experience in Cambodia, and she's going to share some things about that. But first, we get to hear a story from Marilyn. Please, please give her a hand. That was really good because this is a story about trusting and letting go of control. So a few months ago, um, a coworker came up to me and asked me um, if I wanted to go zip lining with the group that was gathering. And so I, I said no because I said I, I am just afraid of heights. And her response to me was, her response to me was, all of us are. We're all trying to overcome fear. Um, so I said. All but one person. One person didn't have the fear. But um, I said, okay, well, I thought, okay, I'll pray about this. um, And I'll see what God says. So I did. God didn't really say a whole lot. But then I got a sign from him to go. So I just want to say that even if you get a sign, that doesn't mean that you're not going to be afraid. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah. So I get there. We have a trial run. Um, This is up in Occidental. This happened this week, by the way. So we have a trial run. It's about 10 feet high. You know, that was fine. Um, They take us 200 feet high. We're on the platform. (laughs) And um, I don't know about that. (laughs) So um, all my coworkers go first. They're all all on the other side. And um, I'm just there with the guide. And I couldn't do it. I said, I can't do it. I was so afraid. I I can't even tell you when I've been afraid like that before. And she was very gentle and very comforting. And she was, you know, talking me um, into it, kind of. But I still couldn't do it. And then I have all my coworkers on the other side going, come on, come on, you can do it. You know, they're trying to encourage me. And it took me a little while. Um, But then the guide says, well, you don't have to do it if you don't want to. They're all yelling, come on. She's like, you don't have to. I didn't know what to think. So... So, um, I thought I came all the way out here and I'm just going to go sit while they zip line across seven lines. Right. Um, but something in me said, just do it. And it was the hardest thing was to take that first step off the platform. And, um, and it was, yeah, I was afraid and I took my first step and then I zipped and it was interesting because as I zipped across the area, um, I just felt God's pleasure. Like I just was talking to him and I was just feeling his pleasure and I got over there. And then every time after that, it was a little bit easier and a little bit easier to take that step because it was really taking the step off the platform. That was the hardest part. And, um, and I'll just say that was just like a huge lesson to me. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was so glad I did it. Um, yeah, they were all just cheering me on and, and, you know, encouraging me. But I was so glad I did it. But here's the thing. Here's the thing that I thought afterwards. Because I have not done things because I was afraid in my life. And how many times should I have just, should I have just pressed through that? And I didn't. But, but that was, that's why it was such a big lesson to me. Because I thought, oh, I'm just going to press past fear and do what, what I'm supposed to do. Or do that very thing that's keeping me from going forward. So, yeah. Thank you. So would, you, would, you would you pray? Yeah. Would you guys like, would you guys like a prayer for courage? <laughs> thank you, Lord. I just thank you, God, that um, you're the one that gives courage to us. And I am just asking you, Lord, for anyone in the room that um, might be experiencing fear or just experiencing a need of courage, need for courage, I ask that you would release that courage. God, we talked about love tonight, and your perfect love cast out fear. And I just ask that you would release that tonight, Lord, and that um, we would be overcomers. We would not let those things that try to hold us back, hold us back. But God, just um, empower us tonight. To go forward. Yeah, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Marilyn. Thanks, Chris. Well done. 
Hey, uh, Brian and Lee, would you mind bringing the podium over over here, putting it in front? Would you mind doing that, guys? Thank you. So, it's already been a wonderful night, huh? But wait, there's more. <laughs> I always love hearing Karina when she shares. It's right, about right, about, right in front, right in the middle there, but forward a little bit so she has face. There we go. It's like it's like getting a drink from a mountain stream that's really, really clean and pure and refreshing and and yet uh, transformational. I'm not sure how many mountain streams you've drunk like that, but uh, <laughs> um, Karina has a, a beautiful heart and she's also passionate about people being set free and walking in their destiny. So it's a great treasure and honor to welcome Karina Loud as our speaker. Okay, I'm like Susan, I feel very teary already, so you'll just have to bear with me. <laughs> and I, I didn't really prepare a whole lot either, just to let you know now. Um, yeah, I just got back uh, from Cambodia this Tuesday and then kind of jumped back into work, and the whole time we were there, we kind of... We're going, 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 and didn't really have a whole lot of time to process um, everything that happened. So kind of just be in the car and listening to worship and crying a lot, and then tonight crying a lot. And, um, oh, Jesus is so good. <laughs> I just feel his pleasure tonight. And <sighs> Okay. <laughs> We're just a real church, and we just can cry as much as we want, right? I so felt what Susan was feeling during worship. Oh, my goodness. I was just feeling um, his pleasure and just like, oh, God, how did I ever live without you? How? How? I didn't, um, I didn't get saved until I was 18, and... I was just so overwhelmed with his presence and how good he is and how much he loves me. And just coming back to the first time I felt him and, and thinking, wow, how does a world live without Jesus? How do they live without his presence? How? How did I do that all those years? I was pretty miserable, <laughs> pretty depressed. And... um the world just so needs him. So I so agree with you, Susan and Heather, that it is time and the harvest is ready. It's it's ripe and people are hungry and it's so good. Yeah, they're so ready, so hungry for Jesus. And my heart is just a big, mushy puddle. So... That's just the way it is. That's just how it's going to be. That's that's me. If you know me at all, I cry at the drop of a hat. And it's going to be even more tonight and since I've come home from Cambodia. So I, if I can describe my heart, it feels like not really, like it doesn't really have a form. It feels it's like a big puddle. <laughs> like everything just moves me. Everything makes me uh, just cry. Everything. I'm, I'm just moved by watching people. I didn't know I could be so mushy and so tenderized this much. But anyway, it's good, I think. It's really good. But um, yeah, so the Lord really put this issue of human trafficking on my heart and I didn't even know what human trafficking was. How many of you years ago never even knew what that was? I was like, what? That's, what is that? Traffic? Like red light, green light? I didn't know what that was. I remember um, years ago with the elder team, we started writing dreams on a whiteboard because our pastor loves to dream. And I, I, the Lord really put on my heart that um, I wanted to see um, 
I didn't know what human trafficking was then. So I said, I really want to see, I really want to do a spirit spa, like, uh, with prostitutes. And, um, so I put that on the whiteboard and now years later, I got to do that with, um, some young ladies I work with, uh, survivors in the Bay area and and we put on a, a spa for them and it just hit me. Wow. The Lord really did that. That was his dream. Back then, I could have never Im- imagined. How would you do something like that? How would I you know, go out on the street and meet girls who were um, victimized by prostitution? How would that happen? But now partnering with this safe house, God opened the doors, and, and he's so good. They're, they're his dreams. So I, I really... Um, didn't really have a heart to go to other nations. I felt like this issue that that he put on my heart was something that um, I wanted to sow into here in my own backyard. I always feel like, well, I live here in California, so human trafficking is very prevalent right here in our own backyard. So I I decided I'm going to volunteer at this safe house in the San Francisco Bay Area and um, go and, and love on these girls. And that has been that's been life-changing. That's been amazing to, to do that. And um, wrecked, it's just wrecked me. It, I feel like I always get so much more than what I could possibly give out. So I've done that over a little bit over a year now. And um, But then the Lord just kept putting Cambodia on my heart too. And so... He reminded me of a vision um, when I went to Israel several years ago, and we were actually praying for a blazing fire service, and um, Pastor Brent and Marilyn was there. I don't know if Russ and Susan, you were there that time. That might have been the first or sec- first time. We were praying for blazing fire, and um, and as we were praying, the Lord took me to... Um, I didn't know it was Cambodia, but it was a country in Southeast Asia. And I was surrounded by all these beautiful little girls. And I just began to put crowns on their heads and started telling them, you're so worthy, you deserve God's love, and started loving on them. And it it felt so real. I felt like I really went there. And if you're like me, I really believe I did go there in the spirit. Um, so I never let go of that. And the Lord just kept reminding me of that vision. So I thought, this year I applied for this trip, and, and off I went. And um, mostly to work at a rescue home with young girls. I thought they would be mostly between 10 and 14, but when I got there, they were mostly between six and nine years old. And, and that was, that was, you know, I don't want to be all doom and gloom, but that was extremely difficult to walk in and they're jump roping and they're happy and, and, you know, there's restoration taking place. They are just full of life. But I walk in and I'm like, oh, tears start streaming down my face and I have to turn my head and start wiping my face because I was just hit with, wow, how, how, how could um, anyone sell their daughter? How, how could you sell your daughter? And then for men to do this to these beautiful, precious little ones, how? Um, But as the days went on and the more time we spent with them, it was like, you don't look at these little ones and think about what has happened to them. We're just doing devotions and crafts with them and loving on them. And it was amazing. It was, God did so much. And um, we didn't take pictures, of course, to um, conceal their identity. I'm going to show just like a five-minute slideshow. But um, their website has a few photos of kind of the backs of their heads. So a few of those photos will be in there. But... um, they're just the most precious, precious little girls you would ever meet. Um, so sweet, full of life. And God is doing a healing work in their lives. And 
talk about restoration. Oh my goodness. If God can restore a six year old who has been through that, my God is, <laughs> he can do anything. He is amazing. Um, and then in the video, you'll see, um, we went to an orphanage where all the children had HIV and their parents all passed away from HIV too, but they are full of hope and we got to love on them and they were just so hungry for affection. And I'm sure several of you have traveled to other countries and done missions trips and you know the children just want to do crafts and want love and affection and it was great. Um, we went to villages and did a lot of um, family visits. So the family visits were um, with moms and grandmas of girls that were reintegrated from the rescue home. So it was safe for them to go back home. Mom or grandma weren't the ones that sold them in the first place. Um, so we'd do a, a little devotional with mom and grandma, and then pretty soon we'd have 20 to 30 from the village men and women show up, and they were so hungry to want to hear, you know, what God is doing, and um, that was great. God did a lot of work there. And, um, yeah, there was lots of rain, lots of flooding, and... Um, a lot of children in Cambodia don't know how to swim. Most of them don't know how to swim. And um, most of them are unsupervised. Mom and dad aren't around. So if you read in the news that, you know, children are dying from these floods, that's why. So um, a lot of places we went into, their houses were just completely flooded. And but they were, the Khmer people are so sweet. They just, please, please come to my house. You know, they're like snakes this big <laughs> and the water's up to here. <laughs> and we're like, no, that's, that's okay. We'll stay out here. But, um, uh, actually I kind of wanted to, to go into the water. I wanted to go in there with them, but some of my team really didn't want to brave the waters, but I was just always wanting to go out on the edge and go a little bit further. But, um, Anyway, it was it was so good. Um, yeah, honey, do you want to show the video? It's just a quick video. Todd put this together for me. Did a good job. music oh it's okay pretty music when they're <laughs> picture it <laughs> I could just uh, narrate. I find my way. I wonder if my life could really change at all. All this earth, could all that is lost ever be found? Could a garden come? 
job time <laughs> sweet and kind of encompassed the whole thing is good um, um i got to speak to a big group of uh of children at a village and i really felt to talk to them about how in deuteronomy that god will never leave you or forsake you because so many of the children are just left without mom and dad or kidnapped and all of that and a little boy, cute little four-year-old boy, raises his hand, and the translator tells me um, that he asked, what do I do if somebody tries to kidnap me? You know, this is the question on these little kids' minds. And, oh, I was just like, wow, 
God will so protect you. And I just told him, cry out to Jesus. Cry out to him. He is so there. Even if you can't see him or times you don't feel him, call out. Just yell the name Jesus. And they so held on to that, that hope. They were just, their eyes were just so lit up. And this was kind of towards the end of the week. And we were supposed to bring a craft each time we would go to a, a village or spend time with the girls at the home. And our team just ran out of crafts because there were so many children. But I brought tons of purple ribbon. And I i don't even know why. I went to Michael's. I, I was like, why am I buying all this purple ribbon? So I was the only team member left with anything. And uh, they were like, bring your ribbon. So... At the end of my devotion, I said, we're going to make promise ribbons. Uh, this is like God's promise that he will never leave you. And we just made the best of it and, and made these little bracelets. And the kids were so excited and they wanted them around their wrist. And as we were putting them on, they had uh, red string. All of them, most of them had red string on their wrists, which is... Um, for their religion, mostly Buddhist, and they wanted that purple ribbon over the red string, <laughs> and they were like, Jesus, Jesus, he'll never leave me, he's never going to leave me, and uh, that was a really sweet moment, um, trying to think other good stories, so many, um, yeah, my heart's really soft right now, um, uh, one of the something oh, we we talked a lot about um, what it is to be a healthy family and um, taking care of each other a lot too, which is totally new for most of the Kamai people. It's like, what is that being a healthy family? And you could just see in their eyes like healthy family, taking care of each other because. Has anyone here been to Cambodia? I think some people are going, I heard. Yeah. Oh, you. Um, you know, a lot of times you see uh, people just on the side of the road. There's the traffic there is crazy. <laughs> just motorcyclists kind of running each other over and, and people laying on the side of the road just kind of left for dead. No one really takes care of them. And... Uh, if you want to cross the street, it's kind of like playing Frogger. But I'm dating myself. Who knows what Frogger is? Yeah. I loved that video game. Frogger was like you had to, you were a frog, and you had to like kind of jump across, like jump on a car and cross the street, go side to side, and then if you didn't make it, you would put, you would be smashed. But I told Todd today, it's kind of like Costco on a Saturday morning. Like <laughs> It's like Frogger, like. You have to, you're pushing your shopping cart side, side, backwards, like, you totally get smashed. Anyway, um, so anyway, in, in Cambodia, it's, it's similar. People just don't look out for each other. And so we taught a lot about family, and so many leaders told us that ch the children are the hope of Cambodia. And I, I so believe that, that the children are going to change the face of that country and end sexual slavery and the poverty there, they're going to get it. I know they are, and um, they were really getting the message, so that was good. But my team uh, nominated me, I don't know why, but to share my testimony to um, some staff and to some women and young girls that had been trafficked and uh, were rescued. And I was hesitant because I thought, yeah, I've been through, you know, I went through some abuse as a teenager and some things, but gosh, I don't know if you guys are like me, but sometimes you compare your pain, like, oh, I, I don't want to share that because they've been through so much, you know, that's going to, that's probably not going to go over so great. But I really felt the Holy Spirit say, yeah, do it. So I did, and um, I started to see tears come down their faces. And afterward, they all came up for prayer, and... Um, the leader, um, our host, she said 
that in all the years that she's um, poured into these ones, that they, they've been really closed off from God, that they, they really didn't want much to do with God. But because an American came in and, and empathized with them, even though my pain is a little different, um, that the shame just began to wipe away, just began to fall off. And that's what, you know, empathy does that. When you empathize with someone, um, they feel like they're the only ones. They feel like outcasts, like Cambodians are the only ones that have endured this. They don't know that Americans have been raped or that there's human trafficking here. They feel like we're coming in and they're look, we're looking at them like, oh, they're outcasts. This is so terrible. But to hear that an American has gone through abuse and some of the things I shared, they thought, wow, oh my goodness. And, and the shame started to just, you could see it just leave. And that was so huge. And so we began to pray and prophesy over these girls and, and God just opened their hearts for the first time and and ministered to them on a really deep level. And that was, that was huge. And they were like, I want that redemption that you're talking about, what God did for you. Um, and then shame was, was a huge theme with, um, it's interesting. I, I didn't even really see it as much with the, the little ones at the rescue home, the, the six year olds, the seven year olds, I didn't see the shame so much, but with, uh, with the adults when we went into the bars and the, the girls that we would go love on just the shame, um, was so prevalent. It was, it was hard. I would, I would make eye contact and just love on them and, and they wanted to, you know, put their head down and, and, um, shame is huge. <laughs> it's huge. Um, but we met a, a sweet, sweet girl and her name was Lucky and, she said, I, I name myself Lucky because I really, I want luck. So I said, oh, I'm going to so pray for you that God's blessings would come to you. And um, she was Buddhist, just a sweet, beautiful woman. And she hesitantly shared with me that she wanted to uh, become a teacher. She didn't want to be in that bar. She didn't want to sell herself. Um, but just so stricken with a shame, I just tears just streamed down my face because I felt it so heavy. I could feel it as each girl walked by. I could feel the heaviness of the shame because I recognized it. I carried that for a long time. I, I recognize it. I can see it. I can feel it, you know, because I, I walked in that for many, many years. Um, so Lots of devastation, but I'm telling you so much hope. <laughs> I want to bring a message of hope because, gosh, God is doing so much, not just in Cambodia and these other countries, but in the Bay Area with these young girls that um, that have endured so much. There is so much restoration happening. Oh, my goodness. It is... Only, and it's only God. Only God could do that. He's so big. He's, he's more than enough. And yes, more needs to be done, but he's, he's doing it. He really is. And, and we would, our team would be so stricken with, oh, the devastation going into the garbage dumps. But then we'd, we'd turn a corner and just see, wow, we'd meet a young girl who would just be beaming, just lit up, you know, who had, um, been rescued and who was now pursuing education and just filled with the love of God and like, wow, God, oh my goodness. So lots of hope too. Um, but I did want to talk for a little bit tonight, just corporately about the subject of shame and it's a big word. It feels like, oh no, there she goes. Please don't bring a heavy, <laughs> heavy subject. Oh, it's already heavy enough, but it's going to be good. I promise it will be good. Because the thing with shame is it doesn't want to be talked about. The less you talk about it, the, the more it, li- it doesn't like words wrapped around it. So the more we talk about it, the more freedom we get from it. So I'm determined to talk about it. 
Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not okay. It's not. Um, and the thing is, is that just as I was sharing that, I feel like, oh, sometimes we compare our pain to someone else's. Like, you know, even when I came back and I'm sharing some stories with my family and you start to feel like, wow, a little seven-year-old being sold by mom and dad and being raped over and over and over. And what I got, you know, I have too much homework and you start to feel like, my my stuff doesn't matter. No, yes, it does. Our our stuff matters. What we're going through really does matter, and we struggle with shame too. I still have shame in my heart. I'm still struggling with some of it too. So, yes, we matter too. Our pain matters too. And yes, there's some horrible things happening in the world, but we we need to acknowledge. Yes, sometimes. We have things too, and God is is big, and He's dealing with it, and and it's good. Okay, so, um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you guys are amazing. Oh my goodness. Yeah, let me just stop and pray, Lord. I ask right now, Holy Spirit, that you would just awaken our hearts to you again. That you would move through this room. Any place in our hearts that feels afraid right now or apprehensive about what you're doing, I ask that you would come and that you would tenderly kiss our hearts, that you would uh, strengthen us on the inside and give us courage to look at you face to face and that your presence would be so near, so close to us, God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So, yeah, as I was saying, um, shame, it's not reserved for only people that have endured major trauma. It's something that we've all experienced. And uh, how many of you have heard of Brene Brown? I'm sure lots of you because we talk about her. And Rust and Season showed a video a while back on vulnerability. And you're probably going to hear more about her just because she is amazing. She is a research professor, and she talks a lot about vulnerability and shame. And just, I love the way she communicates. She just speaks straight to my heart, and she's very real. And, yeah, she's awesome. So I just want to share a little bit of what she's found on shame. So what I'm going to share is actually her stuff. <laughs> but it's good. It's from her book. It's called Daring Greatly, and you guys should totally get it. It's really good stuff. Um, I wish I had it up there, but I didn't have time. Sorry. But her description of shame is the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. Yeah. I'll say it again. It's the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. So kind of, you know, when you go to the doctor and or the emergency room and you don't know how to describe your pain and the pain is that bad, it's kind of like that with shame. Like it, it feels so intense that it's hard to describe it almost. It's it's intense. And sometimes you've lived with it for so long. How do you put words around it? But it's there's familiar areas. It's not just trauma, but um, some familiar areas she describes are um, aging, we feel shame about getting old, right? We feel shame about um, motherhood, fatherhood, not being a good enough mom, not being a good enough dad, um, addiction, money, work, not having work, losing a job, not making enough money, um, mental and physical health, lots of shame about physical health. Why hasn't God healed me yet, right? Um, being stereotyped or labeled. You know, I, I remember being stereotyped a lot growing up. I remember people always telling me I was shy. I didn't like that because I didn't feel shy on the inside, but my mom and dad, people would tell me, you're really shy, and I thought, I don't feel that way. Um, I don't know. I don't think <laughs> yeah. um, Family, 
So those are some areas. Those are kind of familiar areas, not just traumatic experiences. But um, do you guys connect with some of those maybe? I'll raise my hand. I do. <laughs> I have. Um, so she says, shame keeps us small and afraid, and it gets its power from being unspeakable by not talking about it. That's why I'm talking about it. <laughs> the less we talk about it, the more it grows. Wow. The less we talk about it, the more it grows. It doesn't like having words wrapped around it. But when we start to talk about it, it begins to wither and die. So just imagine around the room, if any of us are struggling with any shame or any of that right now, just picture, even as we're talking about it, as we're acknowledging it, that stuff is withering. It, it doesn't like it. The enemy doesn't like that we're talking about it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that thing's withering and dying. Yeah, yeah. We're getting freedom right now. Even if it's uncomfortable, <laughs> there's freedom. It doesn't like to be exposed to the light. In Brene Brown, she kind of describes it like, have you guys seen the movie Gremlins? Remember in the 80s? or Yeah, that movie Gremlins is like these little critters that every time the light would come, they would shrivel up and die. It's kind of like that. Whenever the light comes, those things shrivel up and die. Um, so the language of shame is usually you're not good enough. You ever hear those words? I have. You're not good enough. And who do you think you are? I've heard that a lot. Like coming up, even coming up tonight, some, you know, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are going working with girls in that area? Like you're not a survivor of human trafficking. Yeah, you've been through stuff, but who do you think you are going to Cambodia? Who do you think you are? Um, that's, that's where, sh that's some of the language of shame. Um, and this is interesting, too. So sometimes, I don't know, I've struggled, too, with guilt in the past. So she also talks about distinguishing the difference between guilt and shame. So um, it's good to recognize the difference, what's going on inside, what's going on in your heart. So guilt would say, um, if I were to miss a lunch date with Marilyn, <laughs> um, then guilt would say, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Like, I feel guilt. I feel bad about that. You know, I feel a little guilty. But then shame would say, if you, if you really struggle with shame, if it's deep-seated, shame would say, I'm sorry, I am a mistake. And that's the self-talk that goes on in your head. And, you know, you, that's what you're hearing. Like, I, I'm a mistake. Like, ugh. I screwed up again. Gosh, I'm always messing up. I'm such a mistake. I'm such a failure. And, yeah, it's just good to kind of recognize, okay, what's going on? What's going on in my heart? What, what, um, what's the root? What, did it, what is it? And because there's freedom, not just to navel gaze, but to know there is real freedom, okay? Real freedom. You guys doing okay? There's freedom, freedom, freedom. <laughs> We're not left to our own devices to figure this all out. Yeah. Um, and then Brene would also talk about men and women. So this is good too. Not always, but sometimes. So men sometimes would experience shame like, I'm a failure. I'm inadequate. I'm, I'm weak because a lot of times men are supposed to be the providers. They're supposed to be out on the football field, kind of scoring the points. They're supposed to be the tough ones, right? So a lot of times the shame will come when I'm not providing for my family. I'm not doing enough. That's not always, but sometimes. And for women, she describes it as a web of unattainable, conflicting, competing expectations of who we're supposed to be. Yeah, I have felt that before. Just kind of like, I'm not measuring up. Like, I have to do everything perfect. I have to do everything right. And just not measuring up. Just can't do it all, right? So that's sometimes. But I remember um, when I got freedom 
from shame, from things from my past. I do remember that. And that, that was huge. That was like coming up out of the water for the first time. Like, oh my goodness, like I can breathe. It was like, you know, I could feel my, my head coming up over the water and, and like, oh wow, those things don't define me. What I did and what happened to me, that's not who I am anymore. And it was like I could breathe. And, um, but then also, so that was kind of the trauma part, things that happened to me. But then I also remember um, kind of bobbing. After a while, I would be kind of bob in the water a little, like up and down. Like I couldn't catch my breath a little bit once in a while. And that's where the shame kind of subtly comes in a little bit, where, you know, it doesn't feel, it's not trauma. So why am I feeling this? It's like, um, you're not good enough. You don't measure up. You know, maybe your dad's an alcoholic. You're not married still. You're too overweight. You're too thin. All those little lies. All those things that you're just not measuring up. Um, I don't know. You lost your job. You've been at your job too long. You don't have the right job. All those things. You're not making enough money. Um, that's where the shame kind of subtly comes in. And it's like, okay, you feel confined. But freedom. But freedom. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So recognizing it and understanding what the triggers are and asking Jesus, what do you want me to know? What truth do you want me to know? And really surrounding yourself with people who can empathize with you, who you can share your heart with, who are safe. Because empathy is what will hugely draw you out. Jesus draws you out. Let me tell you, Jesus will draw you out of shame. He's the only way. But I'm I'm telling you, being around people that understand, have you ever, I remember being in a service where a man came up and boldly shared that he struggled with pornography. And to say that word in church, oh, that's a big no-no, right? But to see the men's faces that struggled with that, that were so filled with shame, to see the freedom that they got, oh my goodness, when someone empathizes with you in that way, like, I am not the only one, uh, the shame is gone, the shame can lift just like that, when someone empathizes with you and says, I get it, I understand, here's freedom, and the freedom comes, that's huge. Psalm 34, 5. I guess I should read a scripture. (laughs) Yeah. I love the Bible. I really do love the Bible. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. You are enough. We are enough. We're made worthy through his shed blood. We are enough. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, he made himself vulnerable, laid himself completely bare on the cross for us. Wow. Thank you, Lord. And said, we are enough. Took on every ounce of shame, every last bit of it upon himself for us. So we would not have to suffer this way. Thank you, Lord, that you took on every ounce of shame for us. We remember, we put that on you. Any bit that we have right now, we take it and we put it on you. You can carry it, Jesus. We were not meant to carry this. We're tired. We don't need this anymore, Jesus. It is yours. Just like Graham Cook says, I want my, I want my stuff back. Jesus says, I want that back. <laughs> I want that shame back. That's not meant for, you weren't meant to carry that. Take it, Lord. We don't want it. We do not want it. It is yours. You were meant to carry that. Thank you, Lord, that when we look at you, that the shame washes away. It washes away. You cover us completely. Thank you, Jesus. So, so, so. Ephesians 1, even before he made the world, God loved us and he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. 
God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. It gave him great pleasure. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Yes, freedom, 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 freedom. I just want to move into um, another area. I feel like the Lord put on my heart, too, that um, as the Lord is beginning to uh, show us, first of all, recognize, do we have this in our heart? And then take it from us. Take it and show us the truth. Um, He's going to begin to unlock dreams. And the reason for that is because fear and shame hold us back a lot from going after our dreams. They really do, because... Shame and fear tell us, who do you think you are, right? You're too old to go after your dreams. Lots of lies like that. You're too old. You're not married. Your husband might not, other, I don't know, lots of things. You don't have your college degree. You can't do this. You can't go after your dreams. You don't have enough money. Who do you think you are? Your dad's an alcoholic. Look at your past. So once shame is gone, watch out. Once we start to believe the truth of what Jesus says, watch out, I'm telling you. She's going to start going after your dreams. I don't know if I shared this, but, oh, no, I did. I shared the part about, um, oh, I shared the first part about when the Lord took me to Israel, um, the dream he placed in my heart. But I don't think I shared the second part when I went to the girls in the safe house, and I started to speak to them about their worth. So I actually got to do uh, exactly what the Lord put in my heart. So I started telling the girls, um, I did a devotional on worth, and I started telling them, you are so special. You are so worth the Lord's love. He died for you. And their little sweet faces looking up at me, um, with this, wow, really? And I had remembered Pastor Brent had at one point had all of us look in a mirror, and and that was difficult, right, to look in a mirror and tell, to say, I'm beautiful, Daddy loves me, and all that. So I had these little sweet, precious girls uh, look in a mirror, and um, they giggled at first. It was really hard for them. They, they couldn't do it, but they wanted to. They really wanted to. We took, like, a long time. We took over an hour, and we passed the mirror around, and they said in their, their beautiful Kamai language, one of the most beautiful languages, I think, I am beautiful. I am special. God loves me so much. And, uh, you know, each one of them went around the room and did that. And... I had one crown. I didn't have enough crowns to go around like in my vision. But, wow, God, that was God's vision. That was his dream that he deposited in my heart. It wasn't like, oh, I'm just, he's he's so good like that. Like, he doesn't, he's not just playing with our imagination when he does this. Like, what he did with Heather, that vision she had, that is not, that's not just, um, Oh, a nice little vision. He's really, really doing that. He is doing that. He went to these young girls and really told them their worth. I mean, he really did it. So I just want to encourage you, these dreams in your heart. Oh, my goodness, don't think that was a nice vision. This is what he wants to do through you. Yeah, once and uh, it's, it's freedom, getting free from these things and stepping out. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Um, So the other thing, I think, to this whole thing of unlocking your dreams is just being vulnerable. And we love that word here at Blazing Fire, being vulnerable and courageous like Marilyn's talked about. Courage is doing it afraid. Courage is not the absence of fear, but, oh, my goodness, do you know how many times this last year I've been so afraid (laughs) I have had lots of fears, and I, so many times, I'm like, God, I just want to quit everything. I've told Todd and the kids so many times, I'm not doing any of this anymore. (laughs) I just want to do all the easy stuff, and I just want everything to be nice and easy, and just sit on the couch and watch a movie and not do anything hard anymore. And... 
don't want to do any of this stuff. I hate it. I hate being challenged. I hate stepping out. I hate it. I hate all this. I hate not knowing what's going to happen. <laughs> sucks. Is it okay to say that? But it sucks. I hate it. <laughs> hate it. <laughs> I like knowing what's going to happen. <laughs> Uh, but it's so worth it. It's so worth it. And, and I feel like I've gotten my butt kicked so many times. And is that, that's okay to say? <laughs> I said it. I feel like so many times, like, I feel like just so wiped out and like, you did something, but you came home with your butt kicked. Like you did not do that right. But that you got to, you gotta, if you're going after your dreams, you have got to be willing to get your butt kicked and you've got to be willing for things to be messy and for not for all your ducks to be in a row because it is not going to be. <laughs> I'm just telling you, and if it is, then please tell me. I want to know how, how you did it because it's not how it's been for me at all. I, I've messed up a lot and made a fool of myself and uh, you just have to make that choice, like, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to keep doing it, God, because you've told me this is your heart. This is your passion. But it's going to be messy. And we've got to be, yeah. I guess. I, I think that I also, I did, I spent a lot of time just, probably sitting in the bleachers and you know I, I like going to the games and telling yelling at the Giants games like ah oh, wow you did it wrong why'd you do that <laughs> you know we like doing that we like being the critics and telling them how to do it and but that's not that's not the way to live you know you're gonna have to get out on the field and you're gonna have to get dirty and you're, you're gonna just have to do it if you want to pursue what God is telling you to do because we're not meant to be the ones yelling out there. I mean, the critics are the ones not doing anything. Yeah. And and they're the loudest ones. They're the loudest ones. And it's the loudest voice we hear, unfortunately, sometimes. The loudest voice I hear. It's like, oh, gosh, why? I know, I messed up. And But, yeah, there's nothing like just being out there on the field and really just doing it and knowing that this is what... God has called me to do. And it, it's not about works or doing. It's about resting in him and and just letting him do it through you, knowing that, that we're just meant to be alive. And I knew, I know that if I, I sit on the couch, there's always going to be that longing for something more. I could do it, but I'm, I know there's always going to be that nagging feeling of, of like, oh God, <laughs> there's more, <laughs> there's more, and it, it's not going <laughs> to be quiet. <laughs> so there, there's always going to be that tendency, you know, when the shame begins to lift, to kind of go back to that box of what feels familiar. But once we we taste of the freedom and 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 that that wide open space and taste of him you're not going to want to go back and it's good freedom yeah i so believe in all of you and i i just want to thank you all so much for believing in me and for sowing into this trip for praying for me for sowing into me financially and it means the world to me. Thank you so much. And I, I just want to pray over you. Yeah. Let's stand up and stretch. Stand up. If you have anything. And rest in Susan if you have anything too. Yeah. So as Karina shared, um, what happens to shame when it comes into the light? It withers. It withers and even dies, doesn't it? So that's what I, that's what I invite each of us to do right now is, um, is to let whatever, whatever the big thing, there may be several things, but let's just do one right now. We're not going to try and do them all, okay? Let's just do one. Would you let yourself close your eyes 
and let one thing that that has been shaming you just bring it out into the light and say Jesus I've been so afraid of this I've been so af- I I've I've been scared if even if you know about it that you wouldn't want to love me anymore and just bring it out and and just see it see it see his light shine upon that and let his love shine upon your heart wow 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 and when you compare the strength of his love for you with what this thing is looking like now in the light there's no comparison is there there's no comparison that thing that is had so much power in the dark is powerless in the light it's powerless in the light in the light of his love for you it's powerless wow you feel that wow 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 I want you to speak to the thing that you felt shame over and just say now that I see what you really are you have no more power over my life. I'll say that out loud. Now that I see what you really are, say that out loud. You have no more power over my life. Cuz my daddy loves me. My daddy loves me. And while Karina was um, sharing, I felt like there was one thing also that's holding a lot of us back. And I can relate with this too, and that's whole, that whole issue of perfectionism. Waiting until everything's guaranteed. Waiting for the foolproof, for the fail-safe. Waiting till you know what the outcome's going to be. Right? I've been there. I get it. We want to wait till we just... Everybody says it's okay and everybody gives us permission and, and everybody loves us and likes everything we do. And it's just life's not going to always be like that. Are we willing to exchange what you've been wanting to have guaranteed for the guarantee? Jesus is the guarantee. He's the only guarantee in this world. Nothing else is guaranteed. There is nothing else. He is. His love, his acceptance, his presence is a guarantee. The outcome of our endeavors aren't guaranteed. But he is. He's going to be there. He's going to be there when you fall on your face. He's going to pick you up. He's going to pick you up. But you're not even going to have a chance to fall on your face until you go out there and start trying. And he will pick you up. And he'll say, guess what? In the kingdom of heaven, that was a success. What the world sometimes says wasn't, didn't work out, didn't look so good. That's not what the kingdom of heaven says about success. That isn't what the kingdom of heaven says about perfection. We talk, Brent talked a, a few uh, months ago and, and Stephen De Silva too. What perfection is, is being willing to be yourself. That is perfection. Being who you are supposed to be. That DNA of who you are. So let's, um, if you want to, if you feel like you struggle a bit with this thing of wait until there's th- everything's guaranteed and everything's, you just know the outcomes are going to work exactly as, as you want them to. How would you be willing to, to let go of that thing that I got to have a guarantee and say, just let go of that. That's just a mirage (laughs) anyway. And hold on to the one who is your guarantee. Hold on to his hand. His hand. Whoa. Whoa. His hand. Oh, that will not let you go. 
So just just be willing to maybe even as an act of faith, just kind of take one step forward and grab hold of his hand and say, Jesus, thank you that in you I am perfect. Oh, and that is perfection. Period. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And I just ask, Lord, that you would bless each one in here. Each one. Jesus, thank you for the dreams that you have placed in their hearts. And I ask, Lord, if there's any dreams that have been lulled to sleep, where shame has lulled that dream to sleep or fear, God, would you come right now and blow fresh wind, Holy Spirit, awaken the dreams and desires in hearts right now. Your dreams, Lord, your dreams, your desires, Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, that this generation is alive and ready. People are waiting to hear of your love. And we are ready, Jesus, to go with you hand in hand, free, 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 free. We are free indeed. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Thank you. From a place of rest, resting and knowing that we are yours, that we are worthy of your love, that we are enough. We break every lie over each one here that is believing that we are not enough, that we do not measure up. I break that lie in Jesus' name. Thank you for the truth that we are your sons and daughters, and we measure up, and we thank you. For your love, in Jesus' name, amen. And if you would like prayer, we have our awesome ministry team available after the service. We would love to pray with you and agree with you. So come on up. And parents, please go pick up your awesome kids. Thank you. Yeah, ministry team, come on up. I feel the nations of the earth are shaking. There is no power that can match His grace. Lift up your head, lift up your eyes to see.